listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about a venue very important to musicians over the last, well, for me, 30 years, for other people plus. I'm talking about the venue called the Rhinecliff Hotel, a staple for musicians in the Hudson Valley for a very long time, a very special place. And who better to have as a guest than the guy that probably knows more about it than anyone alive today? That would be Mike Nickerson. And he's our guest right now. Mike, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's great having you here. I mean, I haven't seen you in a while. It's nice just to see you. It kind of brings back memories already. Good. When did you start working at the Rhinecliff Hotel? Uh, well, you know, I started going to the Rhinecliff in 1986. They were just starting to have music. I think I started booking stuff there in, in about 1988. I was working with a band uh, called Roto Explosion that I actually met at the Rhinecliff. And uh, we decided, we said, hey, Ed, can we do a Thursday night? It was during the fair. And Ed was like, a Thursday night, a Thursday night. That won't work. That'll never work. And I was like, Ed, let us do a Thursday night and we'll make sure it works. Of course, it turned out it was a great night and it was just kind of the, the got the ball rolling on expanding. Yeah, Thursdays kind of became a hip day uh, oh, yeah. for a while. I didn't realize where that started. That was you starting that out with a, another band. And I didn't realize that you had started around 88 booking because it was 87, 88, somewhere in there when I started playing. And mm -hmm. to the best of my knowledge, there's only one gig I ever booked there that, that you didn't book. It was Ed. And when you mentioned Ed, we we should uh, tell the audience that we're talking about Ed Tybus, kind of a legendary character, unfortunately no longer with us, but his influence was far and wide. Everybody knew Ed. He was quite a character. I've got a lot of memories about Ed, but before we even go there, let's just talk about those early days where you first started to book. Bands really started to flock to the Rhinecliff to play there around that time. What are your memories of that time? I was working more with the bands before I started booking there. Uh, Ed was amazing. He booked just about anything. He would always call it danceable rock. No matter what you played. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what, exactly what he called me. It was Danceable Rock. I remember that. What did they play? Danceable Rock. Yep. So people would come out and no matter, it was heavy metal, jam band, reggae. Yeah. It was pretty much. Danceable Rock. Pigeonhole you as a Danceable <laughs> yeah. Rock band. Then I started working with bands, a band called The Hour. Uh, I was out touring with them and we would play regularly at the hotel. And when they kind of separated and broke up, that was about 1992, 92 or 3, Ed was looking for help. I just started bartending in 90, uh, the, the 4th of July. I think it was 94, actually. God Street Wine was playing. Who, God Street Wine, Rick yes. had, or, who, uh, who um, Ed had already been booking at that point. Uh, he was, he had a good ear. He really and was very open to things. So he was already booking some great bands from the New York City scene. Dream Speak, God Street Wine, The Hour. These were all bands that were all on the Blues Traveler, Spin Doctors circle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that was a, a, a time period. That was a whole sound. And there were a lot of bands like that at the time. Ed was, he was quite a character, quite a guy. I remember the very first time I ever played at the Rhinecliff Hotel. And then after that, there were over 50 times that I played there. One of the places I've played the most in my life. And it was a real training ground for me. I mean, that's where I kind of cut my teeth learning to play for a crowd and trying to work my voice with a mic and get over a band and all these things that you have to learn. A lot of those things I learned there. Ed Tybus, I remember going in and seeing him and for the very first time, I was probably 17, 18 years old. And I said, look, I'd love to play here. And he was skeptical. And he said, well... 
I don't know. What kind of crowd do you have? And I said, well, I, I don't know either. I, I've never played before. And he said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go buy some hot dogs and I'll book you for something, but I'm going to grill some hot dogs uh, for people. And, and it's, I, I will pay for the hot dogs. I'll get the hot dogs myself and I'll grill them myself. But we're going to put the hot dogs up first on the bill. So it's going to be <laughs> hot dogs and Rick Z. And I said, please. <laughs> I said, please, Ed, let me be above the hot dogs on the bill. And he says, nope, hot dogs come first. I know what I'm talking about. People will respond to the hot dogs. They don't know you. When you play, if you do a good job and you bring some people in, I'll book you again, and then you can be billed above the hot dogs. And until then... It's hot dogs and Rick Z. So I, I said, okay. And I came and did the show and he grilled the hot dogs. We had a good crowd. He was very happy. And Ed was also, and I'm sure you know this, it, it was like a legendary thing about Ed that if he didn't dance to your music, he didn't like your music. Because if he liked your music, he would be out on the dance floor dancing. And, right. and he, he was like an old man in a teenager's body, Ed. And he, <laughs> he was out there shaking it down for so many bands. I would always see him out there. If I saw him and he wasn't dancing, I'm like, I don't think he likes these guys yeah that that's a good judgment that was it if ed wasn't dancing band probably wasn't going to be asked back that's a perfect uh, analogy on that one and you kind of managed the place it looked like to me from the periphery that you were almost like a in a management position how did you get along with ed oh, i loved it ed, it was uh, a father figure to uh, in, a, in a way a true mentor he really kind of showed me i had been a uh, in the crowd i had worked with the bands so i knew ed's the way ed worked and uh when he let me bartend and then i slowly started doing the booking i, I just wanted to emulate him i wanted to have that openness that he had of letting just about you know bringing more people into play sometimes putting the hot dogs <laughs> over the band <laughs> uh which you know, worked out sometimes it worked out i do remember one day we had a hot dog picnic going on and i look up and there's steve lily white and dave matthews waiting for the train but eating wow. hot dogs oh my gosh that's great well you know the Rhinecliff hotel had a lot of well-known people that would come and and some as performers eventually things really took off there and it became such a hip and cool place to play even some big names wanted to play there i know nrbq played there often and uh 10,000 maniacs played there who else yeah well, natalie merchant actually played there after 10,000 maniacs finished up she uh, was in the area. 10,000 Maniacs had broken up and Natalie was living right up the street and recording uh, Tiger Lily, her first uh, debut album. At the solo. clubhouse, yeah. And she... Uh, had wanted to get out and start doing it. And then she, I've seen her recently. I saw her last uh, October and spoke with her about it. And she's just still amazed about that show. She says that she had never done anything like that before and has never done anything like it since. She opened up for another band that was local to the area, Functional Lunacy. I remember those guys. She was the opening act and went under a pseudonym. They played as uh, Plaster Nancy Head. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> Plaster Nancy Head. And it was a great band. And, you know, like, amazes me is the bands and the musicians that came out of there who were, like, the, the guitarist from Roto Explosion, Jim Rotundi, is now out on tour with Uriah Heat. Or no, Humble Pie. I'm sorry. He's on tour with Humble Pie and has played with Mr. Bungle and some great musicians. A lot of people like that. I, you can just name drop the people that have played. Yeah, I mean, the Rhinecliff Hotel was where it started for a lot of people. I mean, I never made it as far as Humble Pie, but I started at the Rhinecliff Hotel. I mean, anything that I did kind of stemmed from experiences that I had there. And to set up the scene a little bit for people who were unfortunate enough never to have gone in the Rhinecliff Hotel, you know, I have tremendous reverence 
reverence for the place, but it, it was kind of a dive, a glorious dive in a way. It was, it was, it was an old hotel. You had three rooms essentially. You had the bar, you had the pool room area, and then you had the back room that bands played in. You had this one, I remember this one bare light bulb would just hang above <laughs> the band. It was always the same. It was something, it was such a comfort that the Running Cliff Hotel never changed. You know, it was, yeah, it open was open beams and pipes and wiring just kind of hanging out. How much do you know about the history of that building? Do you know much about the building? It was a functional hotel at the time. It I, was. I never saw anyone who stayed there. They were all upstairs and everybody else was downstairs. Yeah, there's a few of them that stayed upstairs that would come down and clean. Uh, there were more um, long-term rentals at that point. A lot of vets, uh, a lot of construction worker guys who were just needed a room and a place to stay that was where it was and they didn't complain about the noise so it was it worked out well now ed and his wife ruth they right. owned the the hotel correct right they bought uh, ed and his dad bought the hotel in i believe 1946 wow uh, right after world war ii uh, ed had come up from jersey and was looking for an investment had some uh uh, money. He had been in uh, the army. Uh, had worked. Had uh, been under Patton in the Battle of the Bulge. I didn't know that. Yeah, in the Ardennes. And he came up with his dad and found uh, the hotel, and it was for sale. And he bought it, and uh, had one of the uh, longest-held liquor licenses in New York State for a long time. When they started adding, putting in liquor licensing after the. Um, uh, prohibition. Do we know much about the Rhinecliffe Hotel prior to that? I mean, I've never known what it was used for or what that building was prior to that. It was always Ed a hotel. Uh, at the, you know, before that, the um, before the bridge was built, the Kingston Rhinecliffe Bridge, the ferry would come in and out from there. So people would need sometimes need places to stay if they got in off the train late at night and the ferry wasn't running if they needed to get to Kingston. Uh, so they would stay there. And before that, um, the whaling ships, as they came up the Hudson River, the captains and the, the officers would often disembark at Rhinecliffe, come up and stay at the Beekman Arms or at the Rhinecliffe Hotel. And the rest of the crew would go up to Hudson where they would process the whales. And the crews would stay up there in Hudson. So it was more of a red light, little seedier district. For those who don't really know about Rhinebeck, it's a very historic town. The Beekman Arms, which you just mentioned, that was a, and still is a historic landmark where, you know, famous people in American history stayed. Rhinecliffe Hotel, reminded me of one of those kind of classic places. It was a very convenient place because you had the train station right there next to it. Uh, it was a beautiful place because it was right on the Hudson River. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better spot for it. I mean, it was just a wonderful place. And thanks for that history. I, there's a lot of stuff there I didn't know. That was It was built, I believe, in the 1860s to the point where Ed used to say that Lincoln's funeral car chugged by the Rhinecliffe Hotel. Wow. I didn't know that either. I mean, a lot of people get carried away with, with buildings like that, you know, in terms of it being haunted and stuff. I'd never heard anything like that. Did, did you ever hear any stories about hauntings or anything I like that? I never heard hauntings. There was definitely energies in the place. When I, yeah, but I, I was there. I, some days I felt like I was there 24 hours a day. I bet. Closing down, clo cleaning, getting ready for the next day. Yeah, never never negative energies. If there was any, if there are ghosts there, they're positive. They have a good feeling for the place. Well, I hear if the ghosts dance to your music, they, they, they like <laughs> you. Right. 
that's what I heard. They're gonna get booked back. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I never really heard anything, any ghost stories or anything like that. I always found the place to have a really positive energy. I haunted the place. I know that. <laughs> and speaking of that, because I went to see a lot of bands. Let's talk about some bands that play there. Some sure. really great bands. I mean, I, I played there myself in at least three different bands. The Rick Z Band, Little Giant, and I think the Tim Wilkie Band. And all of my friends that had bands played there. God Street Wine, you mentioned earlier. They were not as successful as they became after they played the Ryan Cliff Hotel. It was, that was kind of a seminal place for them. I, I mean, they would bring like a thousand people when they would play there. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't get in there. You couldn't get a beer. You couldn't even get inside. It was packed to the streets. Never saw anything like that before uh, for a regional band or a local band or even a national band. Uh, how about Beer and Chicken? Remember them? Free Beer and Chicken? Free Beer and Chicken. A yeah. great name for a band. <laughs> that uh, Yeah, they were great. They were out of Albany. Good friends of mine. Uh, I still see some of those guys around. They were great. Ominous Sea Pods. Ominous Sea Pods. I played on the bill with them one time over in Kingston. Those guys were nuts. Yeah. Love those guys. Yeah, really good. They're playing. Some of those guys are playing with uh, God Street Wine, and then they've been playing with Mo also. Oh. And Mo was another band that we did have at the Ryan Cliff. You know what I like there was from Long Island, uh, Moonboot Lover. Oh, Moonboot Lover, yeah. Moonboot Lover was another. And uh, another the two guys, uh, the Evans brothers from Moonboot Lover, have spun off now, and uh, they are playing with. Um, uh, it'll come to me. I can't think mm-hmm. of it at the top of my off the top of my head. They were great. Well, I mean, all kinds of bands came through there. Some played a lot. Some played a little. I mean, God Street Wine was really big. What What other bands really stick out in your mind as as being great bands? Uh, Perfect Thyroid. Mm-hmm. All the guys from Perfect Thyroid were always, uh, that was always a great show. That was another one that would, they would draw 500 people on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. Or... That's when ska was all the craze and they played a lot of great ska music. They were a great band. Yeah. Big horn section. Great big horn section. I liked, uh, Free Beer and Chicken. Mm-hmm. They were always great. A band called Schleho. I really liked them. They were in that, the same jam band. They were playing with shows with Derek Trucks and mm-hmm. people that are getting bigger now. You remember Futu Futu? I do remember Futu Futu. That's the first band I ever saw at the Ryan Cliff Hotel. I think I was still in high school. That's Joe Akeem's band, and Peter Bintner and I had worked together. He played sax for them, and I mean, I thought they were a great reggae band. I know they played at the hotel a lot. Oh, they played a lot. I saw them a lot. They were very popular. Uh, that that was a great experience going to, to see some of those early shows before I even played there. It was just it was just a cool hangout, and it was a real musical place. Yeah, uh, Futu Futu was amazing. They were produced by Tony Levin. I had had them booked uh, the weekend of um, Woodstock 94, the 25th anniversary of Woodstock, uh, because I thought, well, they're produced by Tony Levin. Tony Levin plays with Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel's going to be a Woodstock. Maybe Peter Gabriel will come over. This is the way I thought. Good thing. <laughs> but as it turned out, Woodstock became such a, a thing that Futu Futu had to cancel because they couldn't get out of Woodstock and couldn't get past Socrates. So uh, we all just kind of closed the hotel for the weekend and uh, snuck over to Woodstock 94. Well, if Dave Matthews can eat one of Ed Tybus's hot dogs, I suppose Peter Gabriel could too. That's right. We could. There was uh, there's the other stories of people who got snowed in and stopped in there. Ed told the story. There was a Grateful Dead cover band playing. It was a snow 
snowy night and the train got stuck. And this guy walks in and puts down a trumpet case on the bar and Ed goes, hey, you play that thing? And they go, yeah, I play it. I play it, man. I play some trumpet. He goes, well, I play with a band. Go, okay. Miles Davis walks in and plays with, I don't know what band it was. <laughs> wow. Miles Davis? Got off the train. He was coming down from Montreal. The snow was too so thick that they, they stopped the train. Somehow, and then Miles just waited around and he got a car that came up and picked him up. But before that, he went on stage and jammed with the band. And what was the band playing? I don't know. No one ever knew the band. When no was one, this? Uh, this was sometime in uh, like probably 89, 90. Maybe Ben Dream Speak is a possibility. Wow, that's incredible. But, but that's the kind of place the Rhinecliff Hotel was. It, it was a very strange, magical kind of place. It was very chaotic at times. I, I remember playing this one show and the audience got a little overwrought and they were like, throwing chairs or something <laughs> crazy. And I, I had this uh, stuffed animal that I brought with me. I, it was enormous. We called it the dog bear chair. It was like, I, we didn't know if it was a dog or a bear, but it was this enormous uh, stuffed animal. You could lay on top of it, you know, whole, uh, it's as big as a person. And I remember the crowd grabbed it and ripped it open. And, and it was like a snowstorm of fuzzy little balls flying <laughs> around. And, and I dropped my microphone into the this foam of stuffing and I couldn't find it and I remember Carl Allwire was playing bass uh, for me at the time and rammed his bass into my head because I, I was down on my knees looking for my mic cord Oof. And it was, to me, that that's the Rhinecliff Hotel. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of sums it up, yeah. Let's really get into it now. There are some really interesting and strange things that I've seen there. You probably, I can't even imagine <laughs> the stuff that you've seen. But one time we were playing, there was a lot of people, and then all of a sudden, people were gone. And we only had a couple of more songs to play to finish our set. So we finished it up, and we looked at each other. Where is everybody? We had a crowd. Everyone's gone. So, you know, we kind of take a break, and we, we look around... The whole place is empty. Like, where is everybody? So somebody says, oh, I think they're out in the back patio. So we go outside, and everybody is standing there watching this gigantic barge sink into the Hudson River. <laughs> and we're like, what the heck is going on here? And, you know, I, I mean... Things like that could be seen at the Rhinecliff Hotel. It was, Didn't the it, ATF come in through the window at one point? Well, there was a raid or some point going 20 years ago, at least or more. Well, we'll, we'll get to that when we, <laughs> when, when, when we cover the demise of the Rhinecliff Hotel. <laughs> For, for the moment, though, what, what kind of stories might you remember that really stick out in your mind, Mike? Wow, that's a, that's, you know. Loaded it, question. It is, it is. It's one of those things, if you remember the Rhinecliff Hotel, I don't know if you were actually there. Uh, there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a hazy time in some ways. Uh, I was much younger then and could do things that I can't do any longer. Understood. <laughs> Understood. Uh, especially in, in the, the copious amounts yes um but yeah there uh we did have uh sex drugs and rock and roll i yeah. mean what can you say you know naked people uh people falling off of balconies and walking away uh and these are all the fun times these yeah. are some these are good yeah. times these are I mean, the good times you know it had a reputation as being can be a little rough and tumble but for the most part i think you know some of my best friends i met there some people that i still are people i love like the best people in the world really set me up for 
what I continue to do. Strange stories. <laughs> the whole thing was a strange story. It sure was. It sure was. And and I know exactly what you're talking about. That that I mean, it was like a mini Woodstock in some ways. You know, it was an ongoing, perpetual Woodstock in in some ways. But a very musical place. I mean, that that's what really I loved about it is you could see great bands. It was a great vibe, and Ed Tybus was a great presence. Everybody that comes on this show, not everybody. Some people don't know the Ryan Cliff Hotel or aren't from this immediate area, but so many people come on this show and reference the Ryan Cliff Hotel. Uh, I'm sure. I don't know if you remember Chris Wenham. Oh, of course. Countless others. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the Ryan Cliff Hotel, and he was talking about God Street Wine and he, how he'd never seen anything like that at the Ryan Cliff Hotel and was just talking about what a vibe it had and that, that there's, there was no other place like it. Musicians were drawn there. It was a real special place. Yeah, I still get approached by people that are just thanking me for allowing, you know, there was uh, some high school kids that we let use the back room just to rehearse. And they're all musicians still, and they're playing in New York City, a band called Bark House, Will DeZangatita and his crew. And they just, and it comes from me from other places. People are like, oh, I remember you from the Rhyme Cliff. Or you see a, you know, you see a face or they see you and they're like, hey, I know you. <laughs> it's all coming back to it me It all now. comes back from that haze. It's like, you used to make these drinks called Rum Runners or <laughs> something to that effect. That's a real drink. I remember yeah, the Rum yeah. Runners. Yeah. That was you? You created those? I, I don't know if I created them, okay. uh, but uh, that I made a, a, a very fruity, rummy drink that uh, people seem to enjoy. I don't think I ever had one, but it, they must have had a strong reputation because I've heard people talk about those rum yeah. runners. Yeah. So an incredible place, uh, very important to musicians around here. What happened? I mean, when, when officially was it all over and the Rhinecliff was no more or so the Rhinecliff Hotel? I, I left in uh, uh, 2001 to kind of... Go explore some other things. I had a, a, a cafe running in Woodstock and I was becoming spread out with things. And I think it lasted for about a year or two after that. I think it closed in 2002. And that was right, it was right after the tragedy in Rhode Island at the Great White concert where the fire killed a bunch of people and people got the awareness of the possibilities of what could happen. When you had a lot of people together in a, in a small club, a small club, you know, the fire marshals came in and things like that. And they were like, oh, there's no sprinkler systems. You know, the, there was a lot of exits and it was safer than, than that club. That club I've done a couple of studies on in Rhode Island. But, um, you know, that, uh, that kind of thing just, uh, puts a damper on a music scene and people just kind of uh, look, start looking at places. Well, we live in a very politically correct world nowadays, not to mention a post 9-11 world, a place like the Rhinecliff Hotel may not have been able to survive in that kind of environment. Um, I don't know. It would, it would, I would like to know. I'd like, I wish that they could have tried, but all good things come to an end. Ed Tybus passed away and time moves on. Things, things don't stay the same for long. At least we had it in its heyday and, and we got to enjoy it for what it was. I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I stopped playing, I think in 95 or 96 was, was, probably the last time I played there. I hear all these rumors about how things ended. Uh, you know, things get blown out of proportion. You might know more than I do. But, you know, what I heard is 
the police stormed the place. They 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 burst in and and shut the place down, and that's all there was. Uh, was it that dramatic? And no. it, were you there when it happened? I I was there for the last night, and they knew it was going to be the last night. How did you know? They just decided that they couldn't go forward. They had all these things that you know lists and lists of renovations that they had to do to make it safe for large gatherings, and it just became untenable. And rather than put all that money, which they didn't really have, into the place, they decided to sell. And when they decided to sell and put it on the market, they just decided to go out with uh, more of a bang than a whimper. And when you say they, are you referring to Ed Tybus and his wife? Uh, Ed and his sons and his wife, yeah. And what was that last night like? Uh, it, it was There was bands playing and it was like almost every other night and just people getting together and saying goodbye to an old friend. It was... Uh, uh, a funeral for uh, a building, a funeral for uh, an, era. an era. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, but but an Irish funeral. It was a party, yeah. like like you should send out a place like that. Very fitting, as as well it should be. And I don't know why I was there. I, I surely would have gone if I could. Had I don't even know where my head was at at that time or, or what I was up to. But why this rumor about the police? I've heard so many times uh, this dramatic entrance well, see, that they. I made. heard that happen, but it was years before they closed. It's a anytime a you know there's a, a an al- a raid. You know it, it did happen in. Early on, when I was in there, uh, maybe '95 or '96, yeah, we did have the police it. come in and uh, check everyone's IDs, and there was mm-hmm. some people that had been served that uh, had been served by someone else. And, you know, it was it was a porous place. You and I are both in there uh, underage, and uh, as these things happen, that was the one time that I remember the police yeah. really. I mean, that was part of the hotel's charm yeah. in a way, you know. I mean, by today's standards, you know, people don't look at it the same as they used to, of course. Things are different, a lot stricter nowadays in colleges and in bars and all that stuff. But I guess things were maybe, I don't want to call them permissible uh, at the Ryan Cliff Hotel, but maybe at times it was a little lax, but it was it was part of that time. That certainly wasn't the only place like that. No. It was part of the times. Do you miss it? Uh, yeah, there's things I definitely miss about it. I miss uh, having the freedom of booking like that uh, and being able to bring in whoever I really wanted to see. You know, I had uh, uh, John S. Hall from King Missile. It was in there. Um, uh, Vic Chestnut, this amazing singer-songwriter from Athens, Georgia, came through at one point. A band called Varnaline. These bands that maybe like VSP in Kingston does a lot of that kind of booking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tubby's mm-hmm. in Kingston. Those are like the two places, uh, the Anchor. Yeah. Like the Kingston scene's kind of like picked up a little bit of it. None yeah, but they, it, they'll never be like the Ryan. None Club. of it is they'll kind of be. that uh, out of control, in control, out of control house party. It's like Ed was like your grandfather who was babysitting for the weekend. The <laughs> yeah. parents were away. <laughs> totally. like, yeah, this is what we do every weekend. <laughs> so. That's great. Eventually, the hotel was bought by somebody else. It was renovated. It was gutted. It, it is If you go in there now, it's a completely different place. It's beautiful. It's right on the river still, of course. And it's like a almost like a bed and breakfast. People come up from the city and they have an expensive meal. And it's a, a beautiful place, a beautiful bar there. It really is masked over what the Rhinecliffe Hotel really was. The people that know the Rhinecliffe Hotel, when they go in, they see this place. Ah, you're not fooling me yeah you know have you been in there oh yeah yeah I, uh, what do you I, think of what they did I, 
it's a wedding venue. I've done a couple things there. You know, they the the old door that was the door to the beer cooler they have in there, and uh, they use some of the old wood. But is the bare light bulb still there? The bare light bulb is not there. They definitely <laughs> upscaled it. It's very disappointing. Yeah, it's a you know they did a nice job, but um, it's not the hotel. What do you do now, Mike? Now I, uh, I'm the hospitality director for um, the Bardavon in Poughkeepsie and the Ulster Performing Arts Center in Kingston. Fantastic. So you kind of stayed in the same genre. I did. I did. Do you book gigs at all? I'm kind of in between bookings. I'm just starting to, I'm, uh, I advise booking at the, at the Bardavon in UPAC now. And we are kind of looking at another venue that we're going to be doing some smaller shows at uh, in Poughkeepsie. I'm so glad you stayed in that field and continued to do that kind of thing you may or may not realize your importance but you were a big part of why the ryan cliff hotel was successful you did the booking you got the bands in there and do you realize that that was important to so many people it really to some degree defines the area of musicians the ryan cliff hotel and the work that you and ed did it's warming it really makes me feel great when i run into somebody been in los angeles and ran into someone from here and he just gave me such a big hug and was like thank you so much you don't know like i go in i went into the arts because of what you allowed us to do there and that really it's very nice it's really touching it's very happy to do that it was so important to so many people myself included it was a real education for me to i kind of feel like i grew up at the ryan cliff hotel as a musician to a large degree and it's always great to see you mike when i run into you and thank you so much for coming and sharing your memories on the ryan cliff hotel with us today and please come back anytime oh thanks rick anytime you'd like to have me i'll we'll come back i'll be more prepared next time (laughs) You you were just fine. And you're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Every week, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. And here's an idea. Come back next week and listen in. We'll see you then.